0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Giving Leader Podcast. I'm Phil Ling. I'm the host of The Giving Leader and also the founder of The Giving Church. Our guest today is one of my friends, uh, known this guy for a number of years, Bill Woolsey. Bill was a church planter in Katy, Texas, outside of Houston. Uh, started with just literally seven families in his house and grew that to 1,600 families over a number of years very contemporary, strong congregation with multiple locations. He's now the president and founder of 5-2 Network, a network that equips leaders to launch a variety of sustainable startups, kind of like if you took, uh, I don't know, maybe a cross of Mother Teresa and Mark Cuban, rolled them all together. Sharp guy and Bill's our guest for the next hour. Okay, folks. We are blessed to have uh, you guys, some of you guys live. We've got a lot of people that listen to this thing uh, later and uh, link on to it. So I know there are going to be lots and lots of folks that listen to the conversation. Let me give you a little bit of background for this episode of Lead Together with Bill Woolsey. I've known Bill for a long time. Uh, Bill, I cr- first crossed paths with him. He was a church planter outside of Houston, Katy, Texas. Big high school football place, Katy, Texas.
1: Slightly,
0: slightly, and uh, he uh, planted a church with seven families that grew to sixteen hundred families. Crosspoint Community Church. Uh, he comes from Lutheran background, but I was
1: now. Under- wait, no, you don't need to say "but." I, you I, would just I, I, say well, no, 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 it just, not, just, It's it, all it does. You know, it's all ruined now.
0: Yeah, no, 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 no. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's one of my highlights of my ministry. Is uh, uh, Bill invited me to come speak one weekend? And it was a hoot because it's a it was multi-campus, thriving church, one of the coolest buildings. Their main campus look, I don't know, it's very, very uh modern open kind of Spartan design. Is that is that a good description? Yeah, utilitarian.
1: Yeah, yeah utilitarian. utilitarian, uh functional, but you know, different and kind of that holy but functional space. So
0: but very, very cool. But but now you gotta be fair, there's nobody that walks into there and says this is Lutheran.
1: That's exactly, there's a reason for that.
0: <laughs> and and Bill very tactfully told me, and this is just for only pastors will laugh at this. He says, all right, you're not preaching today. You're speaking because you're not Lutheran.
1: Yeah, it's the tribe thing.
0: I know, I know, but it was fantastic. So I, that's when I first crossed paths with Bill. Bill, but he's entrepreneurial uh, multifaceted. He started a group called 5-2 Network and I'll let him explain that and unpack it a little bit. And then out of five, two, we get start new, which you can see if you're on the, the video part of this, watching right behind his head. And since 2015, that's what he's been doing full time. Um, he's still in Texas, but not in Katy. Uh, now you're near Austin, aren't you?
1: I'm outside of Austin in the hill country where it's gorgeous all the time.
0: Gorgeous, and, and Houston just hot all the time.
1: <laughs> Houston is flat and hot and humid all the time. <laughs>
0: And and rains, every time I go to Houston, Uh, it's like a sideways rainstorm. That's Uh,
1: true.
0: But the reason I wanted to bring Bill on and have this conversation is is, uh, he's got a breadth of ministry experience, of course, and there's a couple areas that I wanna drill down into. But one of the things that he has been able to do uh, through his recent activities is in the training world, And helping people find their gifts and niche to use the skills God's given them in ministry, but not just in a located church and and a lot of parachurch stuff. And it's got some fascinating stories that we'll unpack and pull out of that. And then before we get off too, I want to spend some time talking about building and training teams because Bill's got a lot of experience in that background as well. And all of us that have are in ministry especially located ministry you folks that are on the front lines in the churches right now coming out of the pandemic one of the things you're wrestling with after the last 14 15 months is my allocation of resources my staffing bucket do i have it in the right space are these the right roles and responsibilities that i need going forward in 2021 because if nothing else the shutdown showed us what really has the value, what maybe doesn't have the value as much today as it used to have in those roles and responsibilities, and what the world perceives as the value. You know, you guys have heard me say, and gals have heard me say this before, I think the one wake-up call in North America is that most of secular society told the church over the last year, we do not see you as essential. That's the, That's the word everybody likes to use, is this an essential thing, essential workers and they don't see the church that way, most of those folks. I don't blame them necessarily. I think some of that's on us, uh, on on that. So without any further ado, Mr. Wolseley is with us, and uh, bless his Pete heart. it's earlier in in Texas than it is for me in Tennessee. How are you, Bill?
1: I'm doing great, Phil. Thank you so much, and thank uh, all of you, and those of you who are here, and those of you who are listening, uh, thank you for, for being a part of this, and and uh, just sharing your heart and ministry and uh, as we try to bring uh, the church in a new full way to the. US, especially.
0: Now let walk us through a little bit of the the, the, the nugget at the beginning because you were still at crosspoint and you give birth to 52 network, which eventually is going to do other things. But show, so tell us in a nutshell, thumb scales, thumbnail sketch. what's 52?
1: So 5-2 comes from, uh, the name comes from the feeding of the 5,000, five loaves, two fish. That's where we take it from. Uh, it's, a, it's a network that's been around since '9. We originally launched it to support church planters. Uh, and I had worked with planters for about a decade uh, in my role at Crosspoint and then across the U.S. And we would have gatherings, et cetera. And what we found in that role was that uh, it's a very lonely role. It's a very hard role. But the weird thing is that oftentimes the the, guy or, the guys are the sending org that sends you. If you get really good at it, at, at doing what they ask you to do, they sometimes disown you because you don't look like them and you're, you know, you're too cultural and that kind of thing. So we wanted to come around those guys. Uh, and but in the process, we we. We saw that was a small number, proportionally speaking, to entrepreneurial laity. So uh, if if we took the approach at Ephesians 4 that those generative offices are the apostle prophets and evangelists, they just innately wired to start stuff. It's about 12 to 14% of your US population, goes across ages. Uh, If we took the approach that we could mobilize those people, we could make even a bigger impact. We started making that shift around 2012. Uh, And then in 2015, as you mentioned earlier, our network evolved into working with uh, denominations and helping them start ministries in geographic areas. And I was leading both, and it was too much. And I left Crosspoint and went full-time into leading 5-2. Well, when that happened, we were like the dog that caught the car all right, because we had these these gigs, but we didn't have any training mechanism, you know, and so uh, I, I brought a couple guys together that were dear friends of mine out of the business world and church world and said, let's put together a training process that, that we have seen work and we, we would like to unleash, and we kind of took our time with that, and we just you know, we only delivered it in person and boot camps in Detroit, Phoenix, Orlando, and then New York City. That's where we were right before uh, COVID took us out. Uh, in the process, then, uh, we, we, had, we had looked at how to distribute our training better and more efficiently and get it into a broader base. And by the grace of God, we received a gift to make that transition happen uh, about five months before COVID hit. So we started working on that, and when COVID hit, uh, the contract in New York shut down. Uh, you know, the the group we were working with there—he's going to close he, from his standpoint. Probably twenty percent of his churches there—it's uh, they're just still they're still decimated and still trying to figure their way out. So uh, in the process, then we we put everything that we have online and start new, and and that's really has been our focus. So. 5-2 comes from the feeding of the 5,000 because the seminal story there, and this is, I think, for all of us, and it was something we discovered at Crosspoint, and, but didn't purposely go into it, and that is that when Jesus said to those apostles, when, when they came to him and said, he said the crowd away in Mark 6, uh, the, both times Jesus speaks in Mark 6 in that miracle, it's a command, and the first thing he says to them is you give them something to eat. So he's holding us accountable for the community. He's, he held them accountable to dealing with the problem of the crowd. And uh, then they said it's gonna you know, take half a year's wages. And, and I think the backstory there is they've only missed one meal. It's not that big of a deal. We've all missed a meal and we're never gonna see these people again. And yet you want us to spend half a year's wages. And then he turns around again and he commands them go and see how many loaves and fish you have. So he sends them into the community. They find the food of the community, bring it to Jesus. He multiplies it, miracle, you know, the rest is history. And the point there is everybody we have worked with uh, now for, you know, over a decade, but especially in the last five years, uh, they all feel that they don't have the resources to do what Jesus wants them to do. They see a problem, a need, where am I going to get the money? Where am I going to get the people? Etc. And our, our push there, our learning there is go and see, and and how often Jesus is working in that community, especially on your behalf, and has those resources ready for you. What's missing time and time again is not the idea. Everybody's you know the, the idea is a dime a dozen. Uh, it's passion for a particular people group, and its leadership. Somebody has to take the bull by the horns and say we're going to do it, and so that's really the key thing that we built everything else off of that we now uh, help people get and apply.
0: Okay, so a lot of stuff that is interesting to me and I thought would be interesting to the rest of the folks. Over the last year, one of the things that I noticed is that the churches that seem to not only survive through the shutdown, but actually gain traction and impact were those that were Effectively meeting needs in their community, even though they weren't collectively gathering. So they weren't worried about, oh, we can't come together on Sunday. But it was like, oh, what are those needs? And, and so everything from uh, the story that we heard about the church out in Arizona. That reached out to everybody. And says, "Hey, you're going through a lot of mental stress right now. Maybe you need some counseling. We've contacted a whole slew of counselors. We've paid for so many sessions up front. All you have to do is to call the church and make an appointment, and that filled up within a matter of hours." To the church that said, "You know, there's a lot of working poor that are falling through the cracks, and we can't do everything, but we can help with groceries. So we're going to ask everybody here to, when you order your curbside delivery, get extra, drop it off the front door of church. We're going to have some folks." Uh, with social distancing and masks, take that stuff, rebag it, and then people can just sign up and show up. And the first day, 1,600 families got a week's worth of groceries. The second time they did it, it was over 3,000 families. So what I found interesting not was just that find a need and fill it, but then you took it a little further for the 21st century and says, all right, how can we come up with modules to help people train in that way and do it uh, electronic delivery so walk us through what that is what that looks like now because i know you spent a lot of time a lot of money developing that
1: yeah so so the 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 fundamental big picture and and we're all aware of that on this call you know and i, I was always evangelism pastor executive pastor then senior and planting etc cetera, etc cetera, and 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 had never been in a small church of seven families, and then you know I had to get back to where I knew kind of what reality looked like. And in in that whole process, uh, when I was doing that, right, it was pretty typical that you, to some degree, build it and they'll come, kind of thing. I mean, that was early on, and we started to see that change very rapidly. And in the last decade, uh, you know, Barna study out of the fall pointed out that active participation has fallen in Christians, self identified Christians from 50% to 25%. So the way we do church now is not reaching people in the same way it used to reach. So our whole philosophy is how can we create these outposts of Christianity uh, led by lay men and women especially, and lay women and men especially, that are in these communities and viable financially and result in people purposefully meeting Jesus. So we don't wanna just help you start a coffee shop or whatever it is you wanna start, it needs to bring Jesus to the party as you go. So in that whole process uh, that again, we've iterated over the last five years, uh, we, we, func- we, we focus on three things. We focus on building, funding and launching. And, and the building funding and launching are what we have found in our meeting with people. Those are the big things they're concerned about. You know, how do I build this thing? I've got an idea, how do I build it? And obviously, how do I fund it? We're really big on earned income stream and donative income stream, especially if you're in an urban core or uh, you know in a place that it's just gonna be hard. You're not gonna be able to build it off the backs of some of the people per se that you're reaching. And then launch it. How do you launch it well? All right. Uh, so, so that's really the three buckets that that our materials in. That first bucket, uh, we have a number of sections in on calling, because uh, when when somebody starts a new venture, their values become the values of the venture. They usually don't purposefully know that unless they've done a lot of work in entrepreneur, entrepreneurial leadership. They don't really process that. It just happens. And what we want to make sure is that their their value of Jesus and their faith gets transferred into this new effort. Because oftentimes, especially if they're coming out of, you know, mainline Christianity, they'll leave that thing at home. Okay, and we want that to we want them to articulate that, understand that, and how does that then apply to this new effort? So we spend time on, on values, but also Jesus's values in the feeding of the five thousand, his resources, his provision, his his compassion for people. Uh, we do work there. We also have an assessment if you're starting a larger effort where you're going to be putting some good money into it, and you want to have mitigate your risk. We run a full psychometric assessment on that leader and the whole team. So we know their weaknesses, we can mitigate against that. And then we move into the building. And uh, we lovingly call our training, if you go to our website, Mother Teresa meets a friendly Mark Cuban. Uh, that's, That's what we do. And so we bring this presence, this theology of presence. What does it mean to be the presence of Christ in your community? And we marry it up with a lean business approach, uh, a business model canvas approach. And so that's the kind of the Mark Cuban side of things. And we spend time there uh, uh, helping you uh, really articulate who you're passionate for. You know, we hear a lot of talk nowadays, right? Uh, you know, cynic and and the, uh, the why, the importance of why which is, is a values issue, why you do what you do. But we really then want to understand who. Who is this for? And, and people will bring us ideas all the time. And sometimes if they've been in that field already or they've worked with that population, their idea is spot on. But more often than not, it's an idea they like, but it's not an idea that the people they're trying to serve resonate with. And so what we do is help them really articulate who that Jesus is calling them to reach. And then we reverse engineer everything through that. Uh, you know, your, your comment about church in the in the last year in in the U.S. What, what happened in the U.S. is that up until the point of COVID, the value that a congregation brought to the community principally, was in-person divine community. Right? If you want a community, you can get it on the ball field, you can get it, you know, in soccer club, whatever it may be. But if you want a divine community in person, the local congregation was where you got it. Now more people get their spirituality off an app today than they do in person. It's a whole nother discussion. But when when COVID hit, they lost the in-person ability the local congregation did. So it then had to say, how do we do divine community? And in our business process, in a new channel. So they used to say, if you want Jesus and community, you show up certain time on our location, et cetera, et cetera, and you get it. What we say in Start New is, well, let's move that out into where their stream is, okay? So they can meet Jesus through a kingdom business, through a nonprofit, through whatever it may be. But the local church then, is is having to deal with over the last year, our main channel, our primary channel was a digital channel. And now we're starting to open back up. So we're gonna we're gonna add the channel back in. I've been present. Some churches I've talked to are wrestling with, are they gonna keep digital? And it was interesting because they believe so strongly in the necessity of in-person community. They don't wanna give people an out, which that's a whole nother discussion. Okay a whole nother
0: hey, that would be a short discussion for me it's like you're, you're right we only want to talk to them if they'll listen the way we want to talk to
1: them. I, that's and it's such a, it's such a non-missionary in my opinion son, son non-missionary approach right it's uh i mean when when if i dump you you know drop you into another country and you you got to bring jesus to those people it's going to take you a while to earn that relationship, to sit at the table, and and be able to share that. But you're going to have to understand their culture, and you're going to have to understand what they value, and let go of some of your values to embrace their values. Which is what we teach you in this in this process as you go through it, so that your your effort, your venture is is a viable and sustainable, and it's truly meeting the needs of those people in, in a in a Christlike way.
0: Okay, so before we get into because I do want you to spend some time on this this conversation with the mechanics and the the modules and all those kind of things. But there's two things I want to reiterate. And Bill and I've talked about this a few times. And each time I get more and more enlightened in my own way of what it can do. And one is it's it's for those entrepreneurial pastor types that maybe have out-of-the-box idea, vision they're trying to develop. So that's A. B, though, the vast majority of our folks aren't the pastor types. There are other folks that are in church that are also trying to find their path to use their gifts and passions in a mission way. And it's not just, hey, I'm going to go start a church. There's there's other things. So that's what I'd like you to do is because I, I learn by stories. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like Jesus did parables, so I, I learn by stories. Uh, and I like listening to Paul Harvey because he always had a good story. Uh, so give me a story or two of examples because I know you got a bunch of them. So whether it's, um, you've mentioned a coffee shop, so whether it's kind of a business thing or it's like a, a mobile clinic type thing or because yeah, I know you've got some really cool, talented women that you've told me about that have started right. some really cool stuff based on where they came from in life. I think one was in like uh, work with corrections or something. I can't remember, or jail or something. So right. that's, that's, I, I've, I've messed it up enough,
1: so clear it up. No, yeah, no, no not at all. Uh, and, and what you articulate is is uh, a core part of what we do is is really harness and activate the passion of the leader. All right. So therefore, what you start doesn't matter to us. We don't care what you want to start, obviously, within some ethical reason. Uh, but at the end of the day, we just want you, you have to agree to financial sustainability as an outcome and more people knowing Jesus is an outcome. And then we'll help you start it. Uh, and And we know that if we can harness your passion, you'll be self-motivated. Nobody has to wake you up, crack the whip, you know, you just go do it, right? So that's what we're trying to to do. And whether it's a pastor who is more, uh, you know, entrepreneurial, apostolic, or and he wants to do something, or she wants to do something herself, or it's a nonprofit leader who sees something. So, yeah, some stories. Uh, all, all of our stories flow from that passion issue. Okay. Uh, and 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 so we've got, you mentioned, uh, corrections, it's Deb Ellinger. Uh, Deb Ellinger is a former Detroit police officer. She worked in sex crimes division for a number of years, uh, prosecuting, right? And even in some of the children's sex cases, abuse with children, kind of got burned out. Was also serving and volunteering in her church, doing children's ministry, things like that. Uh, and and she, she left the police department, but had all those connections, had been working, especially in the ninth ward, in, in Detroit, just totally like you know war zone area, and uh, she her, her pastor suggested you ought to talk to us, you know, because she just kind of kept saying, I, "I just feel I need to do something else." And what we did was uh, what she did through through us was she took that desire and she turned it into uh, Ellie's House. So Ellie's House is now a ministry for prostitutes on the streets of Detroit to get them off the streets. She has three homes, uh, apartment complex, small apartment complex also all given to her, all right? And this is the concept. She came to us and she said, I think I'm stupid. This is a stupid idea. <laughs> where am I gonna get the money from? And we're always like, don't worry about that right now, right? I mean, where there's vision, money flows to vision. You know that, we know that. So let's let's figure that out and help you get this thing going. Uh, Sure, you know, so she has story after story where she's become the pastor to these women. Uh, now, she also understands you're not going to just say, Hey, here's a house, come. Uh, it's a relationship. So her ministry predominantly is these houses and then resource the women in those places, but also a street ministry. So she and friends and workers, she's very tight on who gets in, they go out a couple times a week in a white van, same white van. They take stuff for these women, they build relationship with them on the streets so that the women uh, trust them. There's a, there's a wonderful article or a video on one of the Detroit uh, websites, uh, news stations back from January last year, they did a whole piece on her. But what's happened there is that she's actually had a number of these women have been murdered. And so she's the one, the family says, would you come do this funeral? All right, so here she is, now her pastors have come along too to support her, but she's the primary caregiver, she's the primary one. And one in particular, just crazy, on the Saturday night before she was murdered, Debbie is there sharing faith with her, leading her in prayer to receive Jesus into her life, and literally within hours, she's murdered. Uh, So that's one example. Now here you have Debbie, who is a go-getter, all right? But in most of the time, people like Deb, <clears throat> they'll serve in something, but what they really wanna do is create something. They, they want to live out this, this, this passion inside of them. Uh, Deb would never call herself an entrepreneur, all right? So most of the people we work with are not, they don't self-identify as entrepreneur, but they, they do have an idea, they're passionate about somebody, and they wanna do something about it, but they don't know where to start. They they, they don't have confidence that they can pull this thing off. Uh, another example would be three, it's, it's three uh, formerly single moms, all Puerto Rican uh, in the Bronx. And so they saw the need, not just in their congregation, but in their community to care for single moms in this situation and Launched a ministry there out of a church in the Bronx. Their ministry is smaller. They don't. They all work full time. They're they're figuring this is going to be their side gig, as opposed to Debbie now is full time. You know, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars of grants. Debbie just got a hundred eighty thousand dollar gift from the local school district. Go figure. All right. Uh, so so the ministries they start can range in size somewhat depends upon their skill set, also the time they're gonna be devoting to it and what they wanna see out of it. Uh, Another example would be a a large now homeless ministry in in Mesa outside of Phoenix, Mesa, Arizona. Uh, Again, started uh, by a husband and a wife, the wife especially, Laurie McClellan. She's the number one Ford sales, car sales used person in the Southwest woman. So she just knows how to sell, okay? Uh, But she has a heart for homeless and they launched this whole ministry uh, out of of Christ Greenfield. And it's now taken on life of its own. In in Phoenix, in in Arizona, there are some unique 501c3 situations. So it's not a true 501c3, it's some hybrid kind of thing. Uh, They received, you know, $250,000 gift from a donor. Uh, We teach how to fundraise, how to tell story some principles that a guy named Phil Ling also had kind of, <clears throat> you know, communicated. Uh, that ministry has now grown into a resource center. So they partner with other things in the community. Great story there. They wanted to do showers for homeless because they know one of the issues with homeless is they don't have a lot of, they don't have clothes. They can't go get a job because they can't get a bath. They can't do some of those basic things, you know, at times. And they were going to build their facility out for that. And then they discovered that if they simply uh, gave the homeless people they were ministering to a monthly pass to a local gym, the gym already have showers; they have everything they need. So they they discovered some cool ways to pull off this ministry uh, and, and and do that. So uh, those are those are some of the stories. Uh, we have stories led by pastors as well who who created some wonderful things. But I mean, okay,
0: so. Uh, And that's what you did, exactly what I wanted you to do. Because what I wanted the folks to hear is some of the folks that are coming to you, the ideas that they bring, the nuggets, the germs that that start to germinate the seeds, and then how you bring those, help them bring those into fruition. So here, now let's just for a few minutes get unpacked to the the product itself, the modules, the online delivery, the things that can be available. Because I believe... That everyone listening to us, everyone that's going to listen to this going forward, has have not only themselves, but they have a lot of folks around them that are coming out of the last year, seeing very realistic right. needs around them, and just like the ones you mentioned, may even have a heart for a specific idea for that need, but it's what do I do? So I got a need. So I, you know, I I see prostitutes and they're struggling and I want to help them. I see homeless and they're struggling. I want to help them, but what do I do? So that's where you guys came up. And just for the background, Bill brought some really, really bright folks together and worked for a long time with a lot of money to develop the pieces that he's going to talk about, but, but unpack that piece.
1: Yes. So when we created this and put this online, uh, we approached it from a few different perspectives. One, I, as a former senior pastor of a fast-growing large multi-site congregation, large staff, preschool of 400 kids, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we had a three-year leadership institute as part of our ministry, that we were developing leaders who could launch things and we wanted them to have our values, but also have freedoms and know how to communicate the gospel, et cetera. So, we saw if we could get this online and put it at a very inexpensive price point, and we have donors who help us do that. Uh, then we could actually, if, if I were in a large church or in, in a church that I wanted to develop my leaders on one hand, but I also wanted it as a way to test some of them. Okay, so uh, for $95, you can get into our material and you get all the modules, and the modules. Uh, consists of videos, uh, four to eight minutes tops. It's all very adult learning oriented. We had a, a gentleman come on our staff and he had just led a bank in Florida to transition all their in-person training into a digital platform. Uh, we have a very simple LMS, that learning management system that once you're in, it, it just walks you through it. It shows you how much you have left to do. Uh, there are quizzes after every a video or there's a handout or something to uh, reinforce that adult learning principle. Uh, All of our, all of the pieces you use, all the PDFs are all fillable online. So it's very easy for you to use online. And the cool thing we put into it is that if you're a pastor a discipleship pastor, or uh, you know, you have a contingency of people that you want to take through it, you can have access to see where they all are in it right? So you can know John is here and Jennifer's over there, you know, or whatever in the process. So on one hand, we said, let's make this where let's get as many people in the game. Our goal is 1,500 people this year in the material and see what Jesus starts out of it. And that's why we put it at that point. But but then there are also, uh, I, you as pastors, as, as leaders in ministries, may have ideas that you think are more substantial. All right. So, and we kind of have this thing worked that the more you're gonna spend on the idea or the more reputation you're putting at risk on the idea, then, then the next level that we have is called advanced and it's a cohort model. And it's facilitated by myself or one of our staff. And we take you and your team, this time you have five licenses, all five of you, and we take you through this process and it's every other week for six months. Now, you're gonna actually be launching somewhere probably around uh, about 120 days. Okay, but we do testing in the thing. So once you once you come up with your idea and you've test, you have this and you have this person in mind and the partners you're gonna to need to pull this thing off, then you're gonna test it. And you're gonna see, is this thing gonna work or not? And then we, you're gonna iterate, you always iterate. And then we're gonna make sure that you get off well with a plan that has 90 day, one year, and three year milestones that you're gonna be hitting. So again, we would just say if you've got lay people who have this idea, because I always had people come to me, say, Pastor, I've got an idea, right? And what I used to do was to say, go find four people who will love your idea and then come back. Okay, because that showed me they could lead. But one of the things now we have is you can say, hey, I've got this course. I'd love for you to look at it. Love for you to work. They can work through it really fast. If they do this stuff on their own, they can launch in 60 days. Okay. So they can be out there and work in this process, and you can use it as a way of seeing how serious they are about it.
0: Yeah. I I think that part to me resonates. I think everybody on this this call is going to resonate because there's always somebody, whether it's themselves or somebody else, because I don't want to just look outside, but they come to them and say, I've got this great idea. I just think we should, or I think the church should do X, Y, Z. And what I liked about your approach to it and all the work you put into it a price point it's 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 not a big threshold um b it helps identify for them to self-identify do they really have the the passion to work and to find the information a smart smart guy that helped me years ago dave sutherland used to always say you're responsible for your own education and self-feeders
1: that's you know yeah you know
0: exactly so but but you you have this 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 piece. Yeah,
1: because because what what we know and this is this came out of our church planning work and, and those of us who are pastors appreciate this in seminary your a foundation is laid but the how to is you got to learn that in field for the most part and what we knew with planters was what was missing was the personal practical how and so we focused a lot on the how and, and, and pastors, you know, when you have these people come to you, at least uh, I'll talk about myself when, when they would come to me, uh, partly my, uh, overwhelmness was, I, I wasn't really sure what to do with them. Okay. You know, I certainly didn't want to hitch the wagon to them. And now we, we run down some crazy rabbit hole unnecessarily, but I didn't really have a place to send them to say, well, here's how you could do that. So it really helps you provide them. And, and really, in Ephesians 4, you're mobilizing the saints uh, for the building up of the church and certain kinds of saints who are your growth engines. They, they, they can make some stuff happen. And I would guess those of you, because you're all in larger ministries, you're okay with some chaos. You've got some management chops, and, and you're able to, to let this happen over here without totally disrupting the whole thing. And that's what you want. You want some new things starting out here on the fringe.
0: When are there any commonalities for those that that you see that are successful and those that are it just doesn't fly? You, have you have you seen enough to get any commonalities and say okay? Uh, here's yeah, my- what
1: I guess a couple three things. Uh, you know, when when you when you study startups the the two that rise to the top as far as why they fail the first one is they don't have a customer who wants what they have yeah. okay and and we in the church are very guilty of that because we know they need jesus we're all 100% in agreement on that the fact of the matter is they look at that package and they usually see church with it or something and and they they just don't it doesn't it doesn't resonate with them so we always talk about what's the platter you're going to serve Jesus on, okay, right? You're always serving Jesus, but what's this platter? So one is they don't have a customer, which means uh, they, they didn't fall in love with their customer enough. They didn't fall in love with the person Jesus wants to reach enough that they're willing to design for them. The second thing would be perseverance. Uh, you just give up. Okay. And there's an art there, right? I mean, there's some point you need to shut it down and you move on. Uh, but there's also this iterating and saying, okay, that's not working. You know, I'm going to try this over here again, keeping in mind this person, Jesus wants me to serve. Uh, The other thing though, that we saw, especially with the teams, uh, because again, in our in-person boot camp that will resurrect here once COVID abates enough, uh, that what we saw commonality and success was a, a leader who was confident but humble. That's very important that those two are in in juxtaposition uh, with that, and uh, that they they used their coach consistently. Mm. So we would if a team would stop meeting with its coach or go a couple months or whatever it may be. You know, they didn't have that outside authority kind of helping them process. That's when they struggled. But when they had that outside voice who understood our process and could kind of say, ah, you think about this, that helped them keep their traction moving forward. So that's
0: that's great wisdom. Uh, Give me so let's take uh, put in a little commercial right here. Give us some contact info, website stuff, uh, people that want to learn more about it. Uh, What do you got?
1: So the training platform and that site is at startnewtraining.com, all one word, startnewtraining.com. And you can go there and you'll see uh, you, when you land there, you'll land on the access, which is the 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 $95, you get all everything, all the kit and caboodle. And if you want, you can also see at the top of that site, you know, other ways to get it. There's advanced, which is the cohort model. Uh, and you can go through there. So startnewtraining.com has all of our training. It lays out the modules so you understand what all's there. Uh, if you wanna to go to our webs, our 5.2 site, which is more of our portal site and talks about our network, uh, that's F-I-V-E-T-W-O, 5.2.com uh, as well. And you'll see the tie-in there to our start new training uh, also.
0: This, I did not prep Bill on this next piece. Um, <laughs> That, but I, I think it'd just be fun to pick his brain a little bit. Uh, what I was impressed when I met Bill years ago was he had, and we've already said, he planted Crosspoint he came with the seven families grew to 1,600 families, multi-site, uh, very uh, contemporary model um, in everything that they were doing. And, and the three-year leadership track, uh, the preschool that they used very effectively to reach into their, their area in the neighborhood. And now he's transitioned for the last five years been doing this but you're still church planters, you're still pastor guy, you still led successful teams. As you look post-pandemic, and if you were back at Crosspoint, Mm -hmm. any changes that you can see that glare at you? Like, you know what, I I would do this, or even staffing allocation. I liken it to a NFL team right now going through free agency and drafting and said, I got so much in my bucket, do I have them in the right spots?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and again, it 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 goes back to who you're serving. Who are you called to reach? All right. Uh, obviously, if you're an established congregation, you've got the person who's been a part. But your future. See what happened in the in the pandemic. So so you allude to earlier the healthy quote healthy churches who made it through fine. The other thing we saw in churches that made it through fine is that financially, they were good going in. Mm -hmm. Okay. And because what happened was, you know, like many organizations, 80%, 20% of people 80% of whatever. And so their financial well being was taken care of by those faithful people who believe in that ministry, and they're still going to believe in it. And they're still giving. And they were probably already positioned to online giving and ACH and all that kind of stuff. So frankly a lot of of those churches financially aren't hurting but where they're hurting and this is where my heart hurts because i don't know if they feel they're hurting (laughs) is they lost all the future growth they lost all the the families on the fringe they lost the people who were just kind of coming and deciding is this what i want to call home in my future and you know, we had a phrase that if you've been with us three weeks in a row, you've this is your home church. Whether you know it or not, if somebody stops you on the street and says, hey, where do you go? And your mind goes cross point, that means you're here. So let's help you become committed. Well, most, most of those people are not there, right? So they've left. So now the question becomes, do I wanna get them back? Okay, do I wanna re-engage those people? And And again, they have changed. They have gone a year, a year. They're they're different people than they were when they were with you a year ago. So it it would behoove you. And this is what I, I would do. I would do a huge sit down with staff or whatever staff I have or leaders and say, okay, are you know, let's set our direction. Let's make this decision on who Jesus wants us to especially reach for the future. And let's let's get into their skin. And let's really understand now their struggles. And, you know, was it a financial grocery struggle? Or is it, I'm just up to here with my kids being home all the time, struggle? And what is it? Okay. And frankly, I would always say you you attack and go, go after those younger families. Uh, because again, then you can build with them and they can build with you. And so it's the children, right? Well, that's really mom. So mom. How do we reach this mom, make her life easier uh, in this whole process and at the same time care for her children type thing? So that would be the first thing. And I, and, and again, uh, not tooting our horn, but that's what our process does, okay? That's what it does. And then I would just say, it becomes this channel discussion again, and this relationship, which is part of the business model canvas process. What do they want the relationship to be like? All right, you you know what you want it to be like. What do they want it to be like? And what's that channel? And you've got to do the digital. You've got to decide. You've got to staff to that with excellence, right? I mean, I can now, you know, sit at home and watch whoever I want to watch on Sunday and listen to whatever music I want to listen to. And and when I hear that coming out of members of the church that I'm a part of in Austin, and they're 65, 68 years old, and they're telling me that these are lifelong Lutherans who who would no more set foot in another church but they're like you know what we're not doing a good job and and it the you know it's it's visually not that appealing and i can turn over here and so we just have to understand it's where people are so that would be important to me uh, i would make sure that i've got a strong component there but i would also want to strategically think through how am i going to bridge that do i want to bring them into the you know, uh, in-person presence aspect of things or not in my community and in my worship, or am I gonna just let them stay in that digital environment? Uh, And and that's where I would, so I would put a lot of money in calm digital uh, and figure out what expertise I need. I may very well just go to vendors and not even bring that staff person on because, you know, it depends upon the size of budget that I'm running and, and how much allocation I'm gonna have there. And then I, especially at this stage, I would look for staff who uh, are, are, they lean more to evangelistic, externally focused, all right? So uh, I'm not gonna neglect my operations. I'm not gonna neglect neglect my care, but I'm especially gonna want them weighted on the side of uh, I'm I'm externally focused because, you you asked me i would want to, i would want to regain you know i would want to regain those relationships i would want to build those new bridges i would want to be out there and say how are we going to minister to these people maybe not on site anymore i i have a huge question about some of the churches that that we know that have huge facilities and how long is that going to go before those facilities are leveraged again so i would even want to know maybe for the next year and a half do i leverage this facility differently right. are there community partnerships that i want to go in that that actually you know use it to serve differently so those are some of the questions i would have uh,
0: great and great insight I, uh, first of all just to, to go back um our last session together if you go back into the archives you can listen to charlie from uh, miamisburg ohio and talk about how they're repurposing their main room and yeah. how they're going to use it for so many other things with their what they call the players box. So that was a b. Go back to the first one episode when we quiz Don Wilson, founder of CCB in Phoenix, who you know thirty thousand strong pre and pre COVID. And I I was pushing him on like what would you do differently. And that's he came back. He says probably more smaller rooms uh, that you can do a lot of different things with. The piece that I thought was really interesting though, Bill, and you articulate it best is. Uh, a lot of the churches that we talk to, because Tim and I are talking coast to coast with churches, uh, their first response about how you're doing after COVID is whether or not they've got the money to operate, have they hit budget, you know, all those right. kinds of things. Oh, we've got money or we've done right. okay or whatever. And right. you, the piece I liked about what you said, though, is yeah, how much of that 40% or 50%, we already know statistically 45% of the people in the average North America church give less than $200 in a year. So, of that 45% or so, where you can call them peripheral, fringe, whatever. Right, right. But those relationships were tenuous and just beginning to strengthen. And now we've had over a year of habit. So, just take out spiritual peace, just habit.
1: Exactly. And, exactly. And do
0: that. And I think that it's probably going to take six, eight, 10 more months for a lot of those churches to see where they really are in their health.
1: Well, and, and again, it, it's a values issue, right? Uh, if I, if I valued, uh, I, I, do, I do think it speaks somewhat. It's probably our human nature. When I ask you how you're doing and your first response as a pastor is financially, I'm fine. Okay. Sure. And because, you know, Jesus, that is where our treasure is, et cetera, et cetera. And so that is the core of who we are in many ways, but, uh, what a and, I, and i'm speaking i know i'm, I'm speaking to the choir I'm, I'm envisioning this this church in austin and and there's no angst over losing all these people right there's no angst and so you and i i know it's a value if i see you get angry when the lines crossed right so when 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 somebody does something that's a value of yours and they do it opposite you get you your emotion goes up you you want to talk or whatever and what I'm not seeing, which saddens me in many churches, is there's not this, you know, today is the day the Lord has made and we need to get at it today to to reach those people again. Okay. Uh, now, the nice thing is they got lots of money or they're financially fine. I mean, church after church, well, we had 250,000 extra dollars last year. <laughs> okay. You know, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, because I also wonder at some point as, as the the senior pastor or your XO or whatever, you know, whoever you are, if you're in a business, you would, you would say uh, if I'm not going to do XYZ anymore, I don't need staff that does XYZ. Okay. I need staff that does JQL and a little Q or, you know, or a little whatever. And that's going to change that dynamic. But if we're, reaching people again, then I'm going to need those staff. So I think there's some, there's some a tie in there on what's the impetus. And, you know, if there's a lot of money, then, then I would guess, or maybe not, probably the speed's going to be slower to re to regain.
0: I I, I love that, that takeaway. Uh, I, you know, it's always interesting. We have conversations with sharp folks like you, is you never find you, you just find a nugget every now and then that maybe it's not even what you were looking for and that one is the folks that are looking at the church now post-pandemic say we're okay financially but that doesn't seem to be an angst your word an angst for all those folks that we're not finding back again yeah. and we can yeah. also fool ourselves by looking at our online numbers because they those mean whatever you want them to be yes um,
1: so yes.
0: so i i love that you know what i think would be fascinating and, and tim we might even put this in the future let's reach out to to some folks um somebody good that's navigated this on the business side but has a faith base like a chick-fil-a that has had to change everything and how they do it Mm -hmm. like i went there this morning for breakfast went through the line i haven't been you know inside in over a year and they their curbside pickup and their drive-through and all that they've gotten so efficient at it are they perceiving that that is the norm Mm -hmm. that i i think the church can learn from a lot of that is like okay are you just going to hold your breath until they can come back into your, to the inside of the well, the,
1: the Actually, the, and the local Chick-fil-A guy out here, uh, he said that uh, the corporate has said, you're going to go by local uh, standards. Uh, and at now the Texas guys, because the Texas Chick-fil-A's in Houston are the biggest, okay? Right. And they're, they're a little power circle. And the guys outside of Austin are trying to get the Houston guys <laughs> to lobby corporate to say, uh, they were going to wait until the last place in the country mm. has, has relieved. But Texas is wide open, you know, cause we're right. a bunch of libertarians or whatever down here. And so they're saying, hey, could we do it more based upon local norms than national norms? So,
0: yeah. I, that's, I, I like that. I, I think, cause it all comes back what you were saying when, when entrepreneurial issues fail, and often it is, we're serving a product they don't want, you know. Yeah. And and so instead of looking yeah. at it through their eyes.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, please, please hear the whole thing that I'm saying. You know, the gospel is the power of God into salvation. It's the proclamation of this Jesus and the grace that we have through him at no cost to us. Even the faith we have is a gift from the Holy Spirit. Uh, so we want that there. We want that in conversation. If I never talk about Jesus, they just think Bill's a great guy. So it's Jesus has to be in that mix. Uh, but when we're just offering Jesus in one capacity or one look or one package, and, uh, you know, as James would say, if we're not helping them in their needs and in their their wants, then we're failing on uh, that, that uh, interactive part of the gospel that people are longing for so
0: bill you are a good man i really appreciate this
1: phil i i just appreciate i i love you i appreciate being a part of this great meeting tim and uh anything we can do to help again we live vicariously (laughs) through the new people starting stuff i mean we just we get excited and and to help churches and individuals and uh create new ways of bringing the gospel into communities that's that just you know gets us going. So any way we can help do that, we'd love to.
0: Well, Tim will be sending out an email to all of our folks and reminding them of this, so that they can go on and listen and share it with some other folks and and the websites and all that. So we, uh, we hope- Phil,
1: we'll also and Tim, we just created a a guide. Uh, we're calling it the the No More uh, Pastor Does It All Kit. Uh, and it, what it does, it just is, is some easy steps on identifying these people, because what we've heard a lot of times from, from pastors is I, I don't really know who those people are, what do they look like? And so we've got a few markers in there and some very easy ways that they can call them out, uh, because that's usually the issue is they don't sense permission to step out. And uh, if you're a church that's that's kind of has your lanes defined and you want people to fit in those lanes, then then we're probably not what you're looking for. But if you're more of I want to mobilize these people and see what sticks and see where God is leading us through the lay people, then that's where we excel. So excellent.
0: Excellent. All right. Talk to you all soon. Hey, it's great to be with you all. Make sure you listen. Make sure you share it with other folks. And in the words of Crocodile Dundee, who are your mates? Well, that's what Lead Together is. is We try to help put people together so they find the mates. See you all next time. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Always a pleasure to hang out with you. You've been listening to the Giving Leader podcast with Phil Ling. I'm the host. And you can go to The Giving Church, which we founded. It it tells more about what we do across the country working with leaders, thegivingchurch.com. Thanks for listening.